You're listening to the Eagle Insider, the Barbersville Independent School District podcast. Barbersville is dedicated to educating, connecting, and inspiring our community. All right, Eagles, welcome back. We uh, have another first, I guess, with a podcast this new. There's a lot of firsts, but this is the first time that we have actually brought students into our podcast to just talk a little bit. And so it's a very exciting time. And the person who's kind of the the linchpin of all that person who kind of put all this together is our very own librarian at the high school, Miss Jennifer Jones. Miss Jones, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you. I kind of stole your thunder there when That's I introduced okay. you. Normally I ask people to introduce yourself, but you're here. So if you would tell us who you brought with us. Today I brought with me Carson Cohen, who is a student at our school. And Carson, do you want to tell a little bit about yourself? Uh, all right. I'm Carson Cowan. I'm a sophomore at Barbers Hill. I really love to read. And I'm really passionate about literature. That's great. That's great. So what book are we going to talk about today? Oh, I think I left that part out. I'm sorry. (laughs) I jumped the gun there. We brought these students in today (laughs) because these are some of our most avid readers from the library who Miss Jones knows on a first name basis because they're in there so much. And Mm -hmm. they've brought with them, not necessarily their favorite book, but a book they've recently read just to tell us a little bit about it and maybe inspire some of their peers to go visit Miss Jones. (laughs) And check out a book. So I completely lost that, but that's okay. okay. Keep going. I wrote a book called The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Um, it's really an invigorating story, and it shows the different directions that one can take with their life. Okay. Can you tell us like a summary? Can you tell a little bit of what's it about? Okay. So there's this woman, Nora. She's in her late 30s, and her life is going downhill very quickly. She's lost both of her parents. She has gone apart from her fiance. Her cat recently died. So it's like all of these essential figures in her life are really getting out there. They're going away and she's losing her connection to reality, to be honest. And as time goes on, she's realizing that she doesn't feel like she has anything left to live for. Um, she loses her job. She loses all these connections that she has with the world around her and the people that she knows and she ends up uh, attempting suicide and it goes on and she wakes up in a place called the midnight library and it's like an in-between a purgatory mm-hmm. exactly that 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 lends it to wondering what the genre is we kind of talked a little bit before about what we thought this book might be as far as a genre but it, what are your thoughts on that so it's very interesting because it it goes in it delves into different topics of psychology and it goes into uh multi realities and the multiverse and it it goes into stuff like that it it speaks about quantum physics so it's really a combination because it's going back and forth between the psychology of of humans and how they feel and how they connect to the world around them as well as a sci fi outlook on it and the character seeking an explanation for what's going on. Okay. Can I jump in real quick? Absolutely. Is this, is this a genre that you kind of, or is this a style of book that is kind of your forte or is this kind of outside the realm of what you normally read? So this is a little bit outside of what I would normally go for. Um, but I didn't know that when I was picking it up, when I, when I got into it and I started reading it, it seemed sort of existentialist. It seemed sort of sci-fi, something that I would normally lean to, maybe a little bit of fantasy. It seems something out there that pulls you in a new world. And it almost is, as well as being something that puts you in someone else's shoes and lets you understand what's going on with someone else. 
Um, do you think that Nora was able to kind of investigate the what if in her life? I really think that she was because what's happening in this library is she goes into a library and it has a figure from her past that helped her through some grief. It was a school librarian actually hmm. that helped her through it. Um, and what happens is they're they're pulling these books off the shelves that are like iterations of her life uh, if she were to make different decisions. So she pulls a book off the shelf. It's like infinite library shelves. And she reads it. And when she begins to read, it pulls her into a new life where she made a different decision. And it, it really brings in um, how she might feel about something new. It shows her what she could have done or what she might do or where she could be. And that really is the what if. And, and it takes her on a journey that she didn't really expect when she wanted to end her life and wanted to end it all. It brought her, it started her on a new journey of what ifs and what could be. Exactly. I agree. I do. hundred um, percent. Yeah. That's almost comforting though. And like at, at first, when you started talking about the story, like I, I felt like there was a real sadness when you talked about all the things that had led her to this point. But then when you started talking about the library there, I almost found comfort in that, in the, the thought of the stories coming off the shelf and, and the, the figure that was there. So I'm going to throw you a curveball. Talk a little bit about the comfort of the library at the high school and kind of the atmosphere that is there. Talk about, because I mean, you guys, are you in there a lot? Uh, in, in our school library? Yeah. Um, I'm in there pretty often. Periodically, I stop in and out. Sometimes I eat lunch in there, actually, yeah. and stop to read and talk to people. It's actually a really calming environment um, that I've seen. There's lots of gameplay going on. People are playing board games. People are playing chess. Some people are reading. And you get this really peaceful environment where everyone is still interacting with each other. And they're not cut off. It's not like people are being separated. But there's a peace and a silence and a, a, a bit of separation from others that allows you to find comfort in being close to people that you enjoy, but also having privacy and solitude. It's very nice. I love that. I love that. Um, well, regarding um, the Midnight Library, was there a, a scene in it or, or a what if that Nora experienced that maybe you felt like you couldn't get out of your head? Absolutely. So um, early in her life, Nora went through a period that a lot of us go through where she's trying to make this big decision. Um, and it's actually a decision in school. So she's thinking about what do I want to major in in college, right? And she goes back and forth between sociology, philosophy, and glaciology, which are very, very different fields, right? And she ends up going into uh, philosophy. And she, she ends up getting really into all these quotes and all these uh, philosophers from the past. And it takes her on a completely different direction than she would have been going on if she chose to be a glaciologist, right? And she opens one of these books and she goes into a reality where she would have been a glaciologist. She would have been in the Arctic. She would have been doing what she thought she loved when she was younger. And she learns a lot when she gets there. And what I think is very interesting about the life with, uh, the life as a glaciologist is she meets another person that's doing exactly what she does, being in that purgatory, being in that limbo. And they sort of intersect right there where he is going about his. He's exploring different lives that he could have had, and she's exploring differences, differences that she could have had. And they intersect here in the Arctic. And 
they discover that they're the same, that they're going through the same thing, being in this purgatory together. And it, and it really makes you think because would they have met without this? Probably not. Would they have found each other? Probably not. And then they have this shared experience of not being alive anymore, being in this purgatory where they choose new realities. And they bond over that slightly, but they're not similar to each other at all in regards to what their real life was like. And that really stuck with me is that they crossed paths in such an unusual and special way that would not have happened before. And it breaks off really quickly as well. That's funny that you chose that scene because that's exactly the scene I was thinking <laughs> of myself that that scene was very impactful. Um, do you think that there's anything maybe that the author didn't address that he could have addressed? Um, yes. I feel like she breaks off from the library very quickly. So she's going back to the library to choose new lives, new books, um, as it is in the story. And as she returns to the library each time, it starts to degrade. It starts to go downhill and it starts to uh, fall apart. Things start to break. And this is like a symbolism that's addressed in there. And they're like, uh, the author says that the library falling apart is her dying, like her actual body dying. And we go back to that and is a little bit of a spoiler, but she gets out of the library really quickly. And it's almost like she shifts and loses what happened in the library. It's a, it's a, not really a plot hole, but just a tear in that fabric of where you think the story is going to go. And it leaves you wanting a little bit more, wanting a little bit more of a character arc and seeking this endpoint that she reached when she gets back to, um, her original life. How smart of the author to do that, leaving you wanting more. And not even leading, leaving me wanting more at the end of the book, leaving me wanting, it feels like uh, she left a piece out of the puzzle. Right. Not even like we got to the end point and there's still more to have. It's like we skipped over this thing that, like this really interesting piece of information and it's something to think about. And I feel like it's something for the reader to latch onto and really you know, season in their own way, make it their own and choose how they want to interpret that. Are you frustrated by that? Slightly. Um, <laughs> I really, <laughs> I really enjoy a book that wraps itself up and shows me what it wants me to read and what it wants me to think and what it wants me to feel. And I think that those kinds of books are really amazing. But also when you get into this stuff where it leaves you with something to grab hold of, something to see that was missed and something that you can fill in yourself. It leaves you wondering and it leaves you wanting to read it again, not necessarily wanting more of the story, but wanting to indulge in the story again, wanting to find the pieces that maybe I as a reader missed. And I've been through this book three times and I still can't find <laughs> that one part that I'm looking for with a wrap up, uh, the stitches to bring this together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. Um, so what do you think? Do you think this book is like anything you've ever read before? Um, to be honest, no, I don't think that it is. Um, because of the perspectives that it takes, it does have a similar, uh, some of the parts are similar to different reads mm -hmm. where you get into this multidimensional theory and all that stuff where, yes, you have this in other books where they go to alternate realities or parallel realities, but you don't get that in a purgatory sense where you're discovering what life could be. 
or you're discovering what you could have. It's normally like a a fight to beat the big bad. And I like that this wasn't. It was a fight to learn self-worth and a fight to learn more about herself and the world around her more than it was to defeat something or get a final goal. It was to, I feel like this, this book was really about the journey and I know that's really cliche to say, but she doesn't have an end point. We don't see an end point and we don't get an ending. We don't get a, a wrap up ending. We get to see her continue her journey after the midnight library. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Carson, for taking the time to uh, join us today and tell us a little bit about this last read. So again, guys, that was The Midlight, Midnight Library by Matt Haig. So if it's something you think it might interest you based on this, please go see Miss Jones in the library and check it out. Thank you so much for having me. It was very fun. Thank you. <laughs> well, that was just so good. I think we just need to do another one. Oh, yeah, definitely. So we brought in another guest. This is Miss Allison Longorio. Allison, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a sophomore at Barbersville High School. Um, I'm a manager for the track team, and I, the library is my favorite place in the world. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, Miss Jones, take it away. Let's hear about Allison's book. Allison, you're going to talk to us about The Darkest Minds by Alexandra Bracken, right? I am. All right. So I want you to tell us maybe a little bit about what the book is about and um, anything that you want to tell us about the book. Well, the main idea of the book is about the fear of the younger generations. Um, but the main character is Ruby Daly, and she has mind control powers that she's afraid of because she doesn't want to hurt people. And she goes through this whole journey that's really, there's a lot of action. There are people coming after her because they want her to work for them. They're called the Children's League. But she meets this group of kids that are also on the run because they broke out of their own kind of concentration camp that they put all those kids that got infected with this disease. And it gave all of those kids different powers. There's five different powers. The least dangerous are greens, and they're incredibly smart. They're geniuses. They know everything they need to know about anything. Um, right above that is blues, and they have telekinetic abilities, which is, like, really cool. <laughs> and then you have yep. There's a line that's dangerous. So the dangerous ones at the bottom are yellows, which are electrokinetics. So they control electricity and it's can be scary. One of the main characters, she is a yellow and she's 11 years old in this book. And she wears gloves so she doesn't hurt people. She's scared of touching. She doesn't speak. And you learn about that later in the next couple books. But so she's a yellow and right above that is reds and reds are pyrokinetics. So they control fire. That's kind of scary. It is very <laughs> scary. <laughs> um, and the most dangerous are oranges and they have mind control, which is our main character. So she meets these kids. Two of them are blues, and they're both guys, Liam and Chubbs, and Zoo, who is our yellow. And they kind of take her in, 
but they don't know that she's an orange because she got through her life in those concentration camps by pretending she was green. She was 10 years old when she went into the concentration camp. They took her from her house um, after she had wiped her parents' memories and they had no idea who she was, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. And so she goes through this whole journey with these kids. They meet other kids who direct them to this place that they've been trying to find called East River. And it's a place where all kids of all different colors can go and be safe. And it's run by this kid they call the Slip Kid, who's the only other orange that they know of. Okay. And it's a it's a really long journey to get there. And, like, a lot of scary things happen as soon as they get to East River. They get there and they think it's paradise, right? Like every dystopian movie and book ever. Um, and it's this paradise. They're like, oh, my God, we're with all of these kids that are just like us and they have all of our problems. And it didn't take long for them to realize that this place is not what we thought it was. So, but and the slip kid was like taking kids, he was giving them to the government. Like, he would gather enough kids and he'd, like, because. I don't want to spoil too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm already on the edge of my seat. Let's not give away too much. Yeah. I might want to pick this up. It's a lot of action in this it one. It is. It's a, a lot of action. Well, looking at the title, The Darkest Minds, how do you think that relates? I believe that it means that the darkest minds, I think, are the people who have the most weight on their shoulders. So like, those kids that have all been infected with this disease that may give them powers, they're all the darkest minds. Um, they have been put through so many bad things. I mean, they were in concentration camps for years, most of them, and that's horrible. And so those people, all they all came out and they persevered and it was, it was amazing. And so I think that's what the darkest minds means. Interesting. It kind of it kind of makes me think maybe it was them, but then again, I wonder if it was actually the adults who put them there. Yes. Who are the darkest minds? That is a good question. Maybe. Hmm. Now, when you were reading this book, I know you've read it more than once. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you do you find yourself reading it super fast, like engulfing the book, or are you kind of going real slow with it just to savor it sometimes both i guess mm -hmm. like there'll be some parts where i have to read over and over again because i'm just so like oh my god this is crazy what's going on and then there are other parts where i'm like trying to get through it as fast as possible because i know what comes next i can't wait to get there um but i definitely savor every moment of reading the book how many times do you think you have read this book? Seven. Seven. In the last like two years. And, and earlier you said in other books. Is this part of a series? Yes. It's a trilogy, but uh, there recently came out with another book and it's called The Darkest Legacy. And it's this number yellow girl. She's 17 now. And I haven't read it yet. And that's number four in the series? Yes. And there's also another one that you can get that's like short stories 
different people's backgrounds that you meet throughout the three books. Sounds fun. Yeah. Um, I want to give away a little secret about Allison. I had not read this book, and I do like post-apocalyptic or dystopian novels. However, it was not on my to-be-read list. And and Allison dared me to read the book, so then I was I was compelled to do it. So did I did. I did double dog it. dare you, or did did pretty much? It absolutely, I mean, did you jump right into the double dog dare? And no, got you there? I mean, she said, "Miss Jones, you have to read this book so we can talk about it." And I said, "Okay." And then I went about my day, <laughs> and she come back a month later or so. Did you read the book yet? No, not yet. <laughs> I was like, "Miss Jones, it's been two months." Seriously, that's and awesome. I did. I did read the book though because she is just so persistent about how much she enjoyed this book and she really really wanted to talk about it with somebody so and i did read the book and and i did enjoy the book um and it is very fast-paced would you agree yes definitely action-packed yes do you think the book has any um i mean i feel like the do you feel like the action is is a strength for this book because i feel like it is but i definitely think it is because if it was if there wasn't as much action as there was in the book, it wouldn't be so exciting to read. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be so enthralling to readers to look at the front page or read the back and be like, I really want to read that. Mm-hmm. Do you think there were any weaknesses? You don't have to say what the weaknesses are, but do you think that? Yeah, were- maybe a couple. Can you, can you describe them without spoiling? Probably not. (laughs) But the strengths outweigh the weaknesses. Yes, definitely. Okay. Does it remind you of any other books? Um, It gives me sometimes like a mix between maybe Divergent when they're running away from the people who are trying to find them. And... Hmm. trying to think of another book series that has people with powers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, even just divergent, though, I mean, I can see that connection because mm-hmm. the colors yes, helps me imagine. Um, like the factions. Yes, yes, exactly. The factions. Like uh, abnegation gray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Even the cover of the book is similar. It has this, this flaming symbol on the front, mm-hmm. similar to divergent, and the color choices are similar. Mm-hmm. Do you have any lingering thoughts or anything about the storyline that anything that really just impacted you? Um, I liked. Wow, there are so many. (laughs) Um, But my favorite part of the book that I just can't get over and I love to read over and over again every single time that I open the book is when. Ruby meets those group of kids for the first time. They take her in like they're like she's their own. They've never met her before, but they they trust her. They don't ask her anything except for except for Chubbs, who is incredibly um skeptical of every single person. So um, it's not just her that he's skeptical of. He's, yes. It's everyone. That's every time he meets a, every time a new character is introduced and Chubbs meet that meets that person, it's He's like, you have a secret. I'm going to find out. <laughs> That's true. So have you ever heard of fan casting? I've not. That's where you take a book and you take the characters and you imagine who, what actress or actor would play mm. 
those characters. Mm-hmm. Have you done that in your head? Definitely. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> who do you think would play Ruby in, in Darkest Minds? Um, if it were a movie. If it were a movie. She is light-skinned with dark hair. She's short. She's pretty mm-hmm. short. Um, I don't know. Maybe Selena Gomez in her younger years. Okay. That would be good. Are there any any other actors or actresses you think would be good characters in this book? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think for Chubbs, someone like um, maybe <laughs> I can't think of one. That's okay. We'll, That's just stick, okay. we'll just stick with Ruby. Okay. Yeah. All right. So are there any final thoughts? Anything else you want to share with us? Um, I think that The Darkest Minds is a book that is, you have to see more into it because there are so many um, little messages throughout the book that I picked up on. And it's it's crazy how so beautiful messages that are written in between the lines it's it's a really beautiful book and it's fantastic to read i really hope more people read it that's awesome i think they might after hearing this yeah yeah. thank you so much allison so miss jones just tell us a little bit let's just wrap this up let's talk a little about the library how can the kids when can the kids come see you how many books can they check out when all both these books are in there right if they wanted to yeah um they can come see me we are open before school like around 6 45 and i'm open until three o'clock and if you're coming in to check out a book you can come at those times you can come at lunch or with your teacher's permission of course thank you for listening if you need more information about our district please visit our website at bhisd.net